to be in Luke chapter 9. The beginning, begin, oh, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. We ask you to bless and anoint this time. Guide us and lead us as we look at your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 9 started with Jesus sending the 12 disciples out. He gave them power over demons and healing. They preached. They came back and they were rejoicing. He took them off into a private place so that they could be talked to. And, of course, the people found it. And Jesus spent the rest of that day teaching the people. And this is where we start today's reading at, is that they've been teaching all day long. Um, you know, and I kind of wonder, you know, how many times in our churches are people wanting to be taught for a long, long period of time? Now, our church is pretty good. We can we can go fairly long in our church, and not, you know, people aren't looking at the watches. But I have been in churches, I've seen churches where if the pastor gets to 12 o'clock, everybody's like looking at their watch, maybe pointing at their watch. It's, it's time to go. It's time to be quiet. You know, and Jesus taught these people all day long. And now we at the point we're going to be starting at verse 12. And when the day began to wear away, then came the 12 and said to him, Send the multitude away that they may go into the towns and country around about and lodge and get, get food. For we are here in a desert place. But Jesus said to them, Give you them to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, except we should go and buy meat for all the people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said unto his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up into heaven, he blessed them and broke it and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat, and were all filled, and there was taken up of the fragments that remained of them twelve baskets. I just want to look at this. Jesus had taken the people, he talked to them all day, night is beginning to come. And the, you know, I, I kind of appreciate the disciples, they were like, uh, Jesus, uh, it's getting kind of late. Uh, the people have been here all day, they need to go find places to stay, they need to Go find food to eat, you know, and and it is a good thing. You know, that care for the people is a good thing. We as Christians are supposed to care for people, but you know, Jesus' answer was kind of an interesting answer to that. He told them basically to do the impossible. He says, "Go feed them." Now, you think about this. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to feed a large group. All right, um, you know. Nothing we do at this church is a large group by my standards, you know, but uh, you know, but even feeding our church a meal is is a task in and of itself. You gotta go to the store, you gotta buy enough food. And they're looking at feeding five thousand people or five thousand men. Now we don't know how many of those men had brought their families with them, how many kids there were. There might have been 10,000 or more people in this group because we don't know. All we know is the number of men. And Jesus kind of tells the disciples, well, okay, just feed them. Put yourself in the disciples' place. You look around and you've got uh, 12 loaves of bread. And what they probably referring to is something like matzo crackers about that size, maybe a 12 by 12 
thing. The Greek word means it was a very thin one, about, about a thumb, thumb uh, width. You know, but let's say even if you had five loaves of bread by our standard, you know, all right, we're going to give you each a quarter of a light slice of bread. So the first, the first uh, hundred of you get to have some, have to get a quarter of bread. And we have two fish to spread around five thousand of you. I can picture, you know, the disciples looking at each other and go, "Has he gone crazy?" <laughs> You know, uh, the master, the rabbi, you know, they're not going to say this out loud to him, you know, but, you know, he's gone crazy. We don't have enough food. Now they're looking at Judas because Judas carried the purse. Uh, Judas, do you have enough money to, do we have enough money in the bag to go buy food for 5,000 people? And obviously that's not going to be the case. It's going to be very expensive. So all of this is going on and, you know, how many times does God tell us to do something that seems impossible? If you've walked with God long enough and you've stood out to do things, God has told you to do things, and you're going, uh, God, I don't know about that. I don't know that, that I can do this. And he's going, of course you can't do it because it takes the spirits. Now, people get ready, and it's always funny when somebody gets ready to teach their first Bible study or their first Sunday school class, and, and they've been called to do it, and they're all, you know, they're usually very nervous about it. And I uh, I'm not ready to do that. I can't do that. I'm always worried when somebody comes up and says, I'm an expert teacher. I can I can teach your class. I can do this. And then I want to know a lot more about them. When they have that attitude, I want to know a lot more about them. Why? You know, maybe they're like me. They've been teaching since, you know, for forever. You know, um, they've been teaching for 46 years, you know, and, and they go, okay, I guess we can trust you too to be able to teach. But most people aren't that way. Uh, when I was in school, I took my public speaking class, and the first thing the instructor says is, most people's number one fear is standing in front of groups to speak. And most people resonate with that. They hate to be in front of a group. You know, and I'm going, oh, I don't mind that at all. I've been in front of groups all, you know, since I was 14. I'm ready for this. And it was. It was easy to do for me. So the disciples are there saying, uh, looking at each other and then they looked at each other and you know talked to Jesus probably and said hey we only have this much food how many people can we feed with five loaves and two fish and Jesus tells them have everybody sit down and sit down in groups he was very organized about this and we're going to feed them and I don't know how this worked out of you know, but can you picture the disciples are taking these, these fish and the bread, and every time they break it off, it doesn't seem to be getting any smaller. And they pass a big, they pass a big chunk of bread to one, one, and then they're passing it all around to fifty people, and it's not seeming to get smaller. The fish is the same thing; it's not seeming to get smaller as, as they're breaking things off of it. I, I would almost love to see this miracle, and I don't know how bold it was when they did it. I know that there have been times when we've not had a lot of food upstairs for our end of the month dinner and everybody's gone home full and you know and I'm going God you multiplied it somehow you know and I know that he's done that I've seen it happen I've seen it in my home you know when I was a teenager we had a whole bunch of people come home and we had a pot of gumbo and a, and a, and a pot of rice 
and we fed 30 people with it, and it's like there wasn't enough food in there for 30 people. And people had gone back for seconds. And there was still food in it when we got done. God still does miracles today. He has not, don't ever let anybody tell you that God does not do miracles today. He still does. He, the Hebrews tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He still does miracles. He still heals people. He still will do little miracles. And some of these miracles are really small. I mean, what's the big deal that he fed people? Fed 5,000 people in the, in the countryside. Now, even with 5,000 people, if they'd sent them away, they would have overwhelmed all of the inns and the restaurants, that, you know, places to go anyway, because there were 5,000 of them. That's quite a crowd. Have you ever seen 5,000 people trying to get out of the area? I don't know how many of you have been to a big concert or a, or a big college of football, you know, well, not a big college football game, but, you know, a small college or a small, a big high school, you know, big stadium, and all of a sudden 5,000 people are trying to leave. It's a big deal. And Jesus is looking at them, well, even if they try to get out, they're not going to get to the towns early enough to get taken care of. He goes, we're just going to feed them. And this miracle of the feeding of 5,000, is a big deal with five loaves two fish practically nothing in that crowd one of the things that's hard for us is when god says do something i want you to do something in, as a church as an individual it's kind of funny because so many times you know ministries start with somebody who doesn't feel like they can do it they just say we need to do this you know we need to be doing this and my answer to them is almost always the same thing. Okay, let me help you get it started. And then usually the answer is, oh, no, I can't, I, not me. I go, but God is the one that showed you the need. We will work. We will support as best we can. But God showed you the need. Let's get it started. And it is an amazing thing to watch God work when we don't have anything to give him. Now, when we have little to give him and he steps forward, and he does the work. And then you know it's him. Over the years, I've watched God use people, and you're going, God, you want that person to be the one that's leading that ministry? You want that person? And then God says, yes, I want them. God uses untalented people in most cases to get things done. And you know why? Because he doesn't want their talent to get in the way and be, and be able to say, oh, look what I did. That's the scariest thing. Is like, look what I did. I, I made this huge thing. And a lot of pastors get caught up in this kind of thing. They start out the small church, and all of a sudden they build, and they get 5,000 people, 10,000 people, and they look around and they start getting proud. Look at the ministry that I built. Instead of look at the ministry God built. And if it's you that built it, you're number one, you're in trouble with the ministry in the first place. If it's not God building that ministry, God doing the work, you're in trouble because it's only as strong as you are. When God is building it, it's only as strong as God is, and that's infinite, infinite. God builds a ministry. God builds the church. He builds the house. And we need to be able to look at this. And these guys fed 5,000 people. Now, that was miracle enough that they built, that they had 5,000 people fed. But then you look at it and go, they, grabbed, they, they, they went out and gathered the scraps, the leftovers. 
And I don't know if somehow somebody laid blankets out or what, but they went to get all the leftovers and filled 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, the, the five loaves and two fish probably didn't even fill one basket when it started. And then they get in and God fills 12 baskets of food for them. Now, now you're in the disciples' place. You're going, God, look at, you know, we fed all these people. And there's a basket for each one of us of leftovers. What is God trying to show us on that? When God gives us a ministry, there is leftovers that we get to enjoy. Yeah, we, we get the blessings as well when we serve God. You know, one of the greatest blessings of serving God is to watch people's lives be changed and watch them grow. The next blessing will be to watch people get saved. That might even be the first one. It just doesn't happen as much as, for, as the first one. But, you know, I enjoy ministering. I enjoy sharing the gospel with people and telling them that they need Jesus in order to be able to enter heaven. That they're a lost sinner, they're, they're going to be rejected by God and sent to hell without Jesus Christ. Jesus died and that allows us to go to heaven and they get saved. Do you realize that what you do as a Christian that leads to somebody's salvation is your reward, is a reward in heaven? Now, some of you are going, well, I don't do anything. Well, if you've given tithes to the church, then you've helped this church be able to give, give the gospel out. Your tithes help us keep online. Online, we reach 12 to 15,000 people a month with the gospel message and teaching. You'll, that'll be a reward. You know, all the stuff that we do to reach and minister, all the all the pens and tracks we give out, we have no clue where you are with that. Some of you do still talk to people and give out tracks. You have a whole bunch of them in the hallway, take some. I've encouraged you, pass one, you know, take one, one or two a week and just pass one or two out a week. You never know what a track will do. Uh, the power of, of gospel tracks is amazing. Even if people don't read it at that moment, they stick it in a drawer and read it three years later when they're cleaning the drawer out, you still get credit for having given them the track for, as far as God's concerned. So use tracks. There's an, e they're an easy way to share the gospel without, you know, and if you're really, really afraid, just put it on the window of somebody's car. You know, give one out a week. We don't know what, what's going to happen with these things. And then if you really get bold, start telling people. Share your testimony. One of the easiest things to do to, is to talk to somebody about Jesus is to share your testimony. Tell what he has done for you. Now, be bold out there. Talk to people about who Jesus is. What has he done? I've shared with you, I used to love being at, the, at some of these jobs and I'm going, you know, you know what God did for me yesterday? And you can see their eyes roll back. He's going to tell us what, he's going to talk about God again. And it's like, yep, I'm really going to talk about that. Yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of good. Out the prison, I get, I get it all the time. Why are you always so happy? Let me tell you why. You just opened the door. I can tell you whatever <laughs> I want to tell you now because you asked. Be ready to fill that spot. Know that you are God's child. Yeah. Just as we sang in that last song, when we are his, we are in Christ. We are have the righteousness of Christ put on us. 
And when the father looks at us, he sees a perfect child. Now, we know that we're not perfect. We know that we have problems, but God has cleansed us, and he sees a perfect son, a perfect daughter standing before him. How would church change if we as Christians saw each other the way God sees us? We wouldn't be near as critical of other people as we tend to be. We would be showing love to that person in proper attitude and, and love toward them, lifting them up, edifying. And I've given this challenge so many times. You know, let's look at people the way God sees us. You know, if they are truly saved and they are perfect in God's eyes, then we need to be able to see that and edify and build up, not rip down and tear apart. And we all know we like to be told good things about ourselves. You know, every one of us love to just have people rip us to shreds when we, when we come into their presence, right? And yet that's what we do to so many people. You know, instead of doing what we want to have done to us, we, we tear them apart, we criticize them. Well, you know, that person really has some really bad shoes on. They didn't, why, why don't they polish them once in a while? You know, maybe they should wash their hair once in a while. You know, boy, their language is so back alley. I mean, I don't even like being around them. You know, all these things that we do tend to start saying about people are so bad, whether we say it to their face or behind their back, which is even worse. You know, can we build them up? Can we edify them? Can we see Christ in them? Because you don't know what God is going to do with that person. When God gets hold of a life, anything can happen. And you know what? I've seen more done by those people that we don't think are worth anything, that God gets hold of them and they know they're God's child and they reach people, they guide people. Think, is, is there anybody that you would not share the gospel with? If there is, I'm going to say go tell them because that's the person you're supposed to be talking to. All right? And it's very important. I have people going, well, I won't go talk to that person. They look like a gangster with all those tattoos and everything on them. You know, they're, they're probably going to need them. They'll tear my head off if I share the gospel. Well, if they tear your head off, they'll be in heaven real quick. Yeah. But you know what? They also will know that they're a sinner. If your attitude around about them is right, they're going to know that they're a sinner. They're going to know that they need God. Be willing to open up your, your mouth and share with people. Because... Jesus asked the disciples to do what they considered impossible. With God, all things are possible. And this is the beauty of walking with God. He will tell us often to do things that make no sense. Yeah, I've been there many times where he says, I want you to do this. God, I don't want to do that. That's going to ruin my plans for the day. And unfortunately, there have been times when I have ignored, and there have been times when I've been obedient. When I've been obedient, I should learn my lesson really well, because when I'm obedient, there's a divine appointment for me to meet somebody, to share gospel, to help somebody. And we need to be listening. We need to be working on all of this. And always remember that the leftovers will be more than, more than you began with, because it's all God. And this is the beauty when we see the benefit of being obedient. Now, none of us are obedient all the time, myself included. But you know, when we are obedient, there's blessings. There are so many blessings that God provides when we're obedient. Both today, in today's world, and in the heavenlies.
Yeah. How many people have been saved because of what this church has done through the internet? I have no idea. Nobody's nobody's sending emails to us to say I got saved or I got I'm growing. Am I sure that somebody is? Probably. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeing that many people getting the internet all the time. Somebody is growing. Somebody is being ministered to. I would love to have some emails. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll get some emails from people eventually. But I know what's happening in our church. I'm seeing lives changed in our church. So if nothing else, there's then, well, once we get back to the COVID problems, you know, we got about 20, 25 people who are being, <laughs> whose lives are being changed because of what's going on in this church, the ministry of this church. We need to keep being faithful in the small things to watch God do great things in the future. And my, my encouragement for us is to be faithful in all of those. When God says do something, don't look at your resources and say, there's no way I can do that. Say, God, okay, we're going to step out and do it. If, he, if you didn't hear his word and it was just something you wanted to do, it's going to fall flat on its face because you didn't have the resources. But if God told you to do it, great things will happen. We look at some of these churches and some of these ministries and go, how did all these things start? Now, if you've ever heard of the Salvation Army, it started with one man reaching out and God blessing him. And now it's a worldwide phenomenon that brings out the gospel of Christ as it helps people. Now, now I'm sure that Old William Booth looked around and said, uh, God, what can I do? There's way too many people to help. And basically, if I remember his story right, God just said, start helping. Just start helping. If we look at the huge problem, we're going to be terrified. No, there's too much. And God says, just start and help one. And then help another. And then help another. And he provides for all of that. And we need to keep these things in mind and work with it because God blesses the beginnings and really blesses the end. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We ask you to bless this, Lord, if there's anybody listening online that doesn't know you, that we ask today they will recognize they're a sinner deserving hell and that Jesus died for their sins and accept him as their Lord and Savior and then start being disciples as they listen to what's going on. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God and this is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please today make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com. Or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona. 86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.